Grace and peace to you this morning. We're so glad that you're here today. I want to welcome you um, this morning and thankful for your presence. Um, remember that we have some opportunities to serve, one being on Monday at Amen Food Pantry. If you'd like to help us come out and serve our community as the body of Christ, then we would love for you to assist us in that. It's a wonderful effort. We get to, to know people in our community who are in need and get to um, provide them some food. And so great, great chance to uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus there. And also remind you that on Wednesday, uh, Brother Chris Stevens will be with us from Temple, Texas. And I know he's going to deliver a fine message. And so hopefully uh, you're planning on coming out at 630 and we'll enjoy some ice cream afterwards. We're in this series, Preaching from the Poets. We're looking at some of the, the messages behind uh, some of the songs that, that we find on the radio. And on October 27, 2018, uh, Robert Gregory Bowers opened fire on the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and, and he killed 11 people and he injured six more. It was the deadliest attack on a Jewish community in the United States. Now, before going to the synagogue, Bowers had posted some anti-Semitic comments online. He had a history of doing this as well as a history of a hatred of various different groups, just a hateful person. Uh, you may or may not remember this attack. We, we've had so many of them that, that we've just kind of become accustomed to, to hearing about them, and we don't remember all of them. However, for the, the Jewish community, um, this one was quite memorable. And it was a, a devastating moment of sorrow. And so what do we do when tragedy strikes? What do we do when we are filled with grief? Well, I'll tell you what one couple did. They wrote a song about it. And so Nefesh Mountain is a husband and wife duo. They are Jewish and they play bluegrass, uh, sometimes even singing in Hebrew. And that may sound strange, and it is, um, and yet they've become quite successful at it. And their latest album, just released a few months ago, debuted in the top ten of the bluegrass charts. And it included this song, Tree of Life, about the, the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. And I just want you to listen to the lyrics this morning, and we'll talk more about it. Oh, sweet spirit, hear my prayer. Help these words heal someone out there. I am but a voice, just a cry in the air, but I sing nonetheless through this pain we share. Oh, sweet friends, come and dry your eyes and hold each other by this tree of life. I am angry and I am tired of this great divide, but I sing nonetheless with love on our side. Oh, sweet souls who feel broken now will heal together somewhere, somehow. Time and again we have been let down, but we sing nonetheless, still whole and still proud. You know, when I first read these lyrics, it reminded me of the Psalms. And this isn't surprising since many of the songs that this group sings are shaped by a biblical worldview. Why would this one be any different? And I chose this song because I believe it is relevant to our lives. We deal with grief. We deal with brokenness. We deal with loss. And so how are we to respond to all that is wrong with the world? And this is a question that, that we need to consider. Because there are many ways to respond. And people respond in different ways. Some people respond with violence. 
Uh, Some people respond with anger or bitterness. But how should we respond as Christians? Well, the Bible provides answers. We're not the first one to, to wrestle with questions like these. We're not alone. And we find wisdom in the Word of God. And one of the places that is especially helpful is the book of Psalms. And there are many psalms that that do what this song uh, is doing. We often call them psalms of lament. And and a psalm is a song. They are the songs that the people of God, both Jews and Christians, have sung for years. The, The psalms of lament are songs that arise because something has gone wrong. Life is not what it should be. Uh, Biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann calls them psalms of disorientation. And so something has happened that is out of the normal, and because of this, we feel disoriented. And and the cause could be any number of things. It could be uh, loss of a job, loss of a a loved one, uh, being hounded by an enemy, being oppressed, or, or any number of things. And these psalms are a response to something not being right with the world. And so to remind ourselves of what this sounds like, you can uh, turn to Psalm 77 or just listen. I want to read Psalm 77. Here's a psalm of lament. Just pay attention to what's going on. The psalmist writes, I cry aloud to God and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal to this to the ears of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your right, your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now we know there's a problem right away in this psalm because the psalmist begins with with these lines. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. 
And so when something is wrong, we want God to know. When we are experiencing hurt, we want God to listen. This is how the psalm begins. God, something has happened to me and I want your help. I need your help. I want you to hear what has happened. And the psalmist doesn't just tell God once and then just kind of move on. Whatever happened to him is troubling him. And so he groans, he meditates until he is spiritually exhausted. And he remembers the songs that he sung long ago. And singing is helpful. Singing can be therapeutic. A song can make us sad, but a song can also make us happy. And we need songs. And this is one reason why God in his infinite wisdom gave us the book of Psalms. We have these laments. And, and I know that lament is a word that we don't use often. A more common word that is used in music nowadays uh, might be the word the blues. What are blues songs? They are songs about something that is wrong. They are the heart crying out for help. And so blues songs have, have something in common with these lament songs. And so as the psalmist is crying out to God, he wonders if God is hearing him. He asks, will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show favor again? Has God forgotten to be merciful? He's he's wrestling with these questions in his head. Our timetable and God's timetable is not the same. You see, God is patient. God is long-suffering. We are not. When we are hurting, we want something to be done immediately. We don't want to wait. We don't want to, you know, take a moment and reflect on what is happening. We want help and we want it now. And the psalmist feels this way. He begins to question God, but then he remembers. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. And so when we are impatient, as we often are, what do we need to do? We need to remember. We need to remember who God is and what God has done. God is good. God is faithful. God hears us and he is present with us and he will answer in his own time. On his timetable, not our timetable. So let's turn our attention back to this song because like the Psalms of Lament, this song offers us some helpful advice. This couple who are part of the Jewish community, they're they're hurt by what has happened. And they are grieving, and so they do what their ancestors have done for thousands of years. They sing. Oh, sweet spirit, hear my prayer. Help these words heal someone out there. And so the song begins where we all should begin, with prayer. And this is the same place that the psalmist began. What are the psalms? Are they songs or prayers? They're often both. They're all songs. They can all be sung. 
But sometimes there are prayers that are sung. And the psalmist in Psalm 77, he begins with prayer and he cries out to God for help. And so when tragedy strikes, where do we turn? You know, even if we are angry or upset, the, the best place that we can turn is to God. And, and let God know how we're feeling. Tell God all about our frustrations. Cry out to Him. If we're in pain, tell Him that. If we have been wronged, let Him know. If we do not like what has happened, we can talk to God about that as well. And this is what the psalmists do time and time again. They take their pain, they take their suffering, and they bring it before the Lord. And God is just and God listens and He hears the cries of His people. This is what begins the book of Exodus. God hears people's cries. What Nefesh Mountain do in their song is interesting. They, they pray that their words will help heal someone. Do we ever pray before an important conversation? Do we ever pray before a funeral or a time of grieving? Do we ever ask God that, that our words might help heal someone. That's a, that's a good prayer there. You know, we are the body of Christ, and there's a, there's a reason why the church gets called this. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are to go out and we are to continue His ministry. And, and this means that we're to bring healing to others. And if we can offer some, some help to someone who is broken, to someone who is hurting, to someone who is grieving, then this is a good thing. This is what Jesus did. We're doing the work of Christ. We're doing what Jesus did. We're following in his footsteps. Uh, we, we see this in places like Mark 5 where Jesus heals a woman who's, who's been bleeding for 12 years. And you'll remember this story. Jesus was in this crowd and there were all these people around and this woman comes and, and she's kind of afraid or she doesn't want to get close to him. She, she just touches the hem of his garment. And this amazing thing happens. She, she's healed by touching the hem of his garment. The bleeding immediately stops. But that's not enough. I think the most fascinating thing is what happens next. Jesus stops. He knows something has happened. He seeks her out. He, he understood that this woman needed more than just physical healing. Because this woman had suffered emotionally and psychologically for the last 12 years as well. She was an outcast. She had been abandoned by society, probably abandoned by her family and friends, and Jesus wants to acknowledge her. And what Jesus does is he finds her and he treats her like a human being. And he restores her dignity. And so our, our words, our actions can heal others. And we need to be aware of this because it's a part of the ministry that we're called to do. Here's the next verse in the song. I am but a voice, just a cry in the air, but I sing nonetheless through this pain that we share. It's difficult to know what to do for others when they are hurting or grieving. 
the, the truth is that most of us, we, we want to do something. You know, we hurt for our friends, we hurt for our neighbors, we hurt for our family members. We want to do something, but we don't always know what to do. And we sometimes say things that are not true, and we can even sometimes cause more hurt. Not because we mean to, not because we want to. We want to, do, we want, we want to help, we don't want to hurt. We think we're being helpful. We might say things like, well, God needed another angel. That's why he, he took that person away. I'll tell you this morning that you're not going to find that anywhere in the Bible. It's not helpful to the person who's lost a loved one. If God needs another angel, guess what? God can create one. Uh, he does not take our loved ones from us. That's not who God is. It's not what God does. And I know that we want to help, but not all words are helpful. Job's friends do their best ministry before they ever say a word. At the very beginning of Job, before his friends open their mouths and they get in all kinds of trouble, what they do is they go and they sit with Job in silence. They don't say anything. and They're just present with him. And I'm not suggesting that we have to go and sit with people in silence. But I am saying that sometimes our presence is enough. And often just being there is more important than anything that we're going to say. And what happens in the song is that in the midst of grief, what do they do? They sing. And we see the psalmist do the same thing in places. We don't know what to do in the midst of our grief. You know, we want to help. We want to do something, but we don't know what to do. We can sing. We can sing these songs of faith, even though we may not feel like doing so. We can sing songs about God's presence, even though it may feel as if he is not near. And what happens when tragedy strikes is, is we do become disoriented. Life is not as it should be. And what happens is these songs, whether they be the ones in our hymnals, the ones that we're singing on Sunday morning in church or the, the, the book of Psalms, they help reorient us. And so life will never be as it once was, but it's going to get better. And we achieve a new normal and the songs that we sing, they, they, they help us get to this new place. So we pray and we sing, but this is not all. The song continues, Oh sweet friends, come and dry your eyes and hold each other by this tree of life. Now, now this one's going to take a little bit of explaining here. Hopefully you learned something this morning. If I were to ask you, what is the tree of life? I think most of you would probably say, well, it's this tree that we read about in the Garden of Eden. And, and you're right. And, and if you're an astute Bible reader, you might also say, well, you know, it, it reappears in the book of Revelation. Um, there at the new heavens and new earth. And so the tree of life actually appears in three books of the Bible. Uh, and, and it's used in two different ways. 
And so it's this literal thing that appears at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and at the end of the Bible, Revelation. And most of us know this, we're aware of it. But what most of us are probably unaware of is that it's also found in the book of Proverbs. A passage that was read for us this morning. It's found three times in Proverbs. We just read one passage. And here it's spoken of metaphorically. And so this is part of what Brian read this morning. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. And she here is wisdom. If you go and read the context. The tree of life is used metaphorically as a reference to God's wisdom or we could say the word of God. Now Christians tend to focus on the tree of life in Genesis and Revelation Whereas Jews tend to focus on Proverbs. Uh, Both are right, you know. The tree of life is the word of God. And and, and many synagogues are named after the tree of life. And so what the song is doing is the song is pointing to the community of the synagogue where people gather to hear the word of God spoken. And, And the point is this, when we hurt... We need community. And and here's what we need to understand. Community is more than worship on Sunday morning. If all we do is attend worship, then then we're never going to develop community. We need times when when, when all of us can speak, not just me or whoever's leading a prayer, but all of us can speak and all of us can listen. And we need to be a place where where people feel comfortable sharing their hurts and their doubts and their pains and their frustrations. And we listen and we don't judge. And this is what the the church should be. Uh, The church is not a place to worship. I, I said that right. The church is not a place to worship. What is it? The church is the people. Now, worship is one thing that we do as the people of God. But it's certainly not all we do. It's what we do tomorrow morning at Amen. It's what we do when we invest in the lives of others. It's what we do when we're you know, packing bags for hands of hope. And so we need to be a place that's known for our love for one another. We need to be a place of healing. And, and the song offers advice not just for how to deal with tragedy, but also for how to respond to it. So we find this, I am angry and I am tired of this great divide, but I sing nonetheless with love on our side. We must remember that we are different from the world. And because of this, we do not respond as the world responds. We do not act like the world. We act like Jesus. For Jesus' followers. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When the world chose murder, Jesus chose forgiveness. When the world chose to crucify Jesus on a cross, Jesus chose love. Now what is more powerful, death or love? Well, to answer this question, all we have to do is look at the cross. To people in the first century, the cross meant one thing and one thing only. 
It meant death. Nothing else. Now what does the cross mean today? It is a symbol of love. So I ask you, this is, a, this is a remarkable thing. I don't know if we reflect on it, but, but I ask you, how does something go from being a symbol of death to being a symbol of love? And there's only one answer, and that's Jesus. Because he redeemed the symbol. The, the people, the world, they meant it for evil. They knew what they were doing, and they meant it for evil. But Jesus takes this act of evil, and he transforms it into something good. And we're called to do the same. The world is filled with evil. And the answer to evil is not more evil. The answer to evil is love. And some may say, well, you know what, that's just a bunch of fluff. Love cannot save us from evil. And my answer would be to look at the cross. Look at the cross. To respond to evil with love is not fluff at all. It's the most difficult thing a person can do. It led to the deaths of Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, Matthew, Thomas, Bartholomew, Philip, Simon, Paul, Stephen, Polycarp, I could go on and on and on. It's not fluff at all. And the blood of the martyrs prove it. The way of Christ is not easy, but it is powerful. It is redemptive. It can take a symbol such as a cross, a symbol of death, and turn it into a symbol of love. It can take a murderer such as Paul and transform him into an ambassador for Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning, we have love on our side. Because Christ is with us. And we must never forget this as we go out into this world that is capable of much evil. We belong to Christ and and he lives in us. And what the world needs is not more of the same. The world needs Christ. And the people around us, the the people that we interact with each and every day, need to know that they are loved by the creator of the universe. And God, who is love, cares for them and loves them just as he loves and cares for us. And this is the message that we are to take to the world. This is the message that that we sing in the midst of all that is wrong. Oh, sweet souls who feel broken now, we'll heal together somewhere, somehow. Time and again, we have been let down, but we sing nonetheless, still whole and still proud. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your presence this morning. We're thankful that you're with us here today. We praise you. You are good all the time. 
You provide for us. You care for us. You've given us many, many blessings, blessings that we often take for granted. I pray that we would slow down and recognize what you have done. All the goodness, all the blessings that you've showered upon us. Father, we're so grateful for your son and the life that that, that he lived. And we're grateful for the love that he's shown for us. A love that we are to imitate. A love that we are to carry to this broken and lost world. Father, help us be a part of your redemptive plan. So that we may go out and redeem what is lost, redeem what is evil, redeem what is broken. So that it may be transformed into something that brings you glory. We see this in the work of the cross. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.